Holy Spirit, would you do your work, work in our lives, in our hearts right now that only you can do? It's not enough for me to proclaim your word. It's not enough for people to hold a Bible in their hand. We need your supernatural work in our lives tonight. And we will know that you have worked in our lives if you'll change our lives. So we're inviting you to do that. Would you change our lives? The areas of our lives that need to change, the, the ways that we think, the attitudes that we have, would you, would you train us to be men and women of God, people who follow Jesus, that you, Lord, would be our example. And as I speak tonight, that people would hear your voice above all else. And that what's happening here at the Cornerstone would continue to expand and that we get to see your kingdom come because of the people in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, open up your Bibles to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8. And let me just tell you what the book of Acts is about. If you guys, can somebody tell us, can somebody remind us of what, why we call this book the book of Acts? Okay, a lot of you guys are saying the Acts of the Apostles, and that, I guess that's right. But I, really what I want you to think about is Jesus said when he left, for in the beginning of the book of Acts, that he would send his spirit and so this is a document, a recorded document written by Dr. Luke about what the Holy Spirit did, the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles that he had chosen. Okay? So this is the acts of the apostles, but it's, the, it's really what the Holy Spirit did through them. So we're in chapter 8, and we're just going to back up and read a couple of verses that we, we talked about last time to get you guys back to where we were. Acts chapter 8, second part of verse 1. On that day, well, the day, it was the day that Stephen got killed with Mr. Saul, who later is the Apostle Paul, approving of, of Stephen's death. So on that day, this great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered through Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. So we talked about that a few weeks back. Verse 4, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Now there's, there's going to be a little bit of change because up to this point, almost everything that's happened in the book of Acts has been right there in Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, because of the death of one of their people, one of their important people, because of his martyrdom, people split. They take off. And that seems like a really bad thing, but this is what God had planned. So wherever they went, look at verse 4 again. Those who had been scattered because of this persecution, they preached the word wherever they went. Okay, i got a question for you. Fast forward to 2019, April 2019, and here's my question for you guys. How many of you guys wish, as we've been running through the book of Acts, how many of you wish that the power of God was flowing in April 2019, like the power of God was flowing at that time. That's thing you know what I'm asking. So Amanda's raising her hand. I mean, I think, so this is a real question. How many of you guys wish that, that the power of God was flowing here right now the way that it was in, in, the, in what we've been reading in the first part of Acts? Okay, I hope all of you guys are raising your hand. If you're not raising your hand, <laughs> um, I, then I want to know why. Maybe I need to get you to preach. Okay, so here's, so let me ask you this question. Why, if you raised your hand, if you're like, yeah, I want the power of God to flow right now, April 2019, like the power of God was flowing back then, I just want you to think about why. 
What's, what is it that you want? And I, I asked myself that question today. I thought, why, why do I long so much for the Holy Spirit of God to do the kinds of things right now that he did back then? Any, anybody have an answer to that question? Why you want that? I mean, all, all of you guys, I mean, Amanda was the first to raise her hand. So why do you want that, Amanda, John? Sorry, okay, I'm putting you on the spot. Is there anybody, anybody who, okay. Okay, Douglas. Uh, I just kind of want him to be able to, because everybody's like, well, what does he do miraculously? And you get like the Pentecost and all these people speaking strange languages. And I think it'd be really cool if out of nowhere, somebody would say something like that. And it's just like, oh, well, Jesus is here. And then that happens. Okay, so that's right. But why do you want that? Who else was raising their hand here? Because it's his kingdom. So what what do you mean? Because when the Holy Spirit is working through us, that's his kingdom coming to earth. Yeah, I mean, what you guys, I think that's it. It's like there's this, there's this sense in our hearts that the world is messed up. And we long for the way the world is supposed to be. And we know that this world isn't going to be the way that it's supposed to be until Jesus is king. And when things like that happen, we know that his spirit is working in the powerful, powerful movement of God in the way that he intended. And we're longing for that. I know that I long for that. My life, my heart beats for that. As I think about what I want in this world, I want Jesus' kingdom established. I want to see the Spirit of God poured out on people in a way that everybody knows that's God. That's God that's doing that. So, why do you think that power was so strong then, but maybe maybe some of you have, I mean, I know that you've seen the power of God. So many of you have seen the power of God at work. We've seen, we've seen God touch people's lives in powerful ways and heal them physically and emotionally here at the Cornerstone. But I haven't seen it with the consistency that I think was happening in those first years after Jesus left. So as I'm thinking about that, why was it so strong then? Why was the power of God, the flow of God's Holy Spirit in the church so much stronger then than maybe what we've experienced now? We don't have the same faith as the apostles did. Um, we're not operating out of the same. Uh, I, I just don't think that we're operating out of the same level of faith. I think that a lot of times our own sin. Sorry. I think a lot of times. Sorry. <laughs> no, I think a lot of times our own sin and desires get in the way of our belief. And we establish like doubt in ourselves and allow Satan to work against us. And that causes us to not have consistency with it. Amen. I mean, guys, there, there's a whole lot to do with expectation, right? I mean, what we expect, God, it's like, okay, God did stuff a long time ago. Guys, I want to invite you people of the Cornerstone community, the, the college students of Grace Community Church and other places to expect that the Spirit of God w- can work and wants to work right now as he worked back then. A lot has to do with our expectations. Is it possible, though, that part of the reason that the flow of the Holy Spirit was was so strong back then was beca- was actually because of the persecution that the people of God were experiencing. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And we were just talking in our in our small group leaders meeting upstairs a little while ago about desperation for God. That there is there's something that happens when we're when when we need God more than we need anything else because nothing else is working. And with that kind 
of desperation, God responds. God's work has so much to do with our desperation for him and our expectation of him. Okay. These people got scattered. They go, they go preach the word wherever. Do you guys see what it says there? They preach the word wherever they went. So here's my question for you about this. Maybe the volume of God's presence and the flow of the Holy Spirit has to do with the attitude of the people who were scattered. I mean, I just think about the people in this room, the 85 or so people in this room right now. Think of all the places that we were at today. I was at the airport. I was at the gas station. I was at the church. I was at the cornerstone. And we just list all those things. And what if we could say about the people that were scattered all around Arlington City today, and all over, maybe some of you guys were in Dallas or Fort Worth or who knows where, what if we could say the same thing that wherever they went, wherever those people at the cornerstone went, they preached the word of God. Maybe part of the reason that we don't see the volume of Holy Spirit power is because we're not doing what they did. Every, you see what it says there in verse 4? Those who have been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And we're talking about preaching the word. We're not talking about get, getting, I, mean, we just, I know some of you guys think, well, I'd love to preach. Just give me the microphone. Let the worship team play. We'll give the altar call. Maybe we might even pass the offering plate so I can get enough gas to go home. That's not what we're talking about. When we're, talk, we're talking about a proclamation of the goodness of God, the testimony of, of God's work in your life to everybody that you run into. And I want you guys to think about how well, these people were scattered and everywhere they went, they had the opportunity to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. And if they didn't proclaim the gospel of Jesus, there wasn't some website that the people could tune into to get the message afterwards. They were it. And I want to suggest to you guys that most of the people that you met today at Walmart or Chick-fil-A or wherever you were had no, they're not going to tune in to some website and listen to the message either. You are the message. You're the message of God. You're the ones who God has called. So here's what I want you to do right now. You guys, you guys can text, I'll write my number up here, or you can text Daniel. That might just be as good. Um, but text me this. Text me, um, or you can put it up there if you want, Scatter. 817-501-8941 is my number. And, and you guys, some of you guys are like, I don't have to text you because I'm, I'm not into that. You're breathing our, um, you're, you're using our cooler in the corner. So if you're here, if you're making me, if you're listening to me teaching, if you want to learn the Bible from me, get out your phone and text me. And, I mean, if you don't have any idea, then don't do it. But don't, ju don't just not do it because you're, you're too cool to not do it. Okay? So text me, where is it that God has put you where if you don't proclaim the word of God, nobody else is going to do it for you? You guys understand what I'm asking? Take your phones out. Come on. This is real, this is real time stuff. Okay? I'll get my phone too. Okay? You want me to text you back? Okay. Okay, American Airlines office. Your family. The theater, yes, amen. Lockheed Martin, amen. Subway, amen. My work, amen. With your coworkers in Oak Cliff, Texas, at Papados, 
in the kitchen, at your workplace, the classrooms of UTA. Do you guys understand? You can keep texting me. You don't graduate until you text me. Uh, uh, wherever, wherever you are right now, God has put you there because he expects for you to do the kinds of things that we're about to read about here. And it's not okay for you to, to complain about how un, ungodly those people at your workplace are. Of course they're ungodly. That's why God put you there. Duh. God put you there as a representative of Jesus so that the people at your workplace or in your classrooms or your professor or the people who in your dorm would know him, period. I'm begging you to understand that because if you're not faithful with the, with the people that he's put in front of you now, how do you expect that you're going to be faithful with the bigger things that he wants to give you? That's what his plan is. And, I mean, I didn't text you guys where God has put me, but, I mean, with all those Japanese students this week, I didn't just invite them to come and do all this and me spend 10 days with them because it's all fun for me. It is fun, but it is exhausting, guys. The reason that I'm with them is because I'm convinced that God has called me and the people at the Cornerstone to represent him in Japan. And yeah, sure, it'd be nice if somebody else would do it. It costs a lot of money and a lot of energy. But you know what? He gave me that responsibility. He gave me that responsibility. And when we're, when we're with all these 16 students, and we're at the parks mall the other day, they're going, they're going ice skating, right? And right next to the ice skating thing, there's a juice, uh, what is it called? Starbucks. No, Star, not Starbucks, the other one. It's, a, um, uh, ja, it's like Jamba Juice. I don't know what it's called, but they got good smoothies for cheaper than Jamba Juice. And so the guy there, the guy, I mean, the guy there, he's, he's from Korea. And I told him, I said, oh, if you're from Korea, you might be a Christian. A lot of Koreans are Christians, right? He said, oh, I don't go, I don't go for that stuff. I said, I said, okay, what do, you, what, what, do you, what do you believe then? I said, are you Buddhist? He said, my wife and my kids, they're into that. They go to church all the time, and I'm just not into it. He said, I don't believe nothing. I said, can I buy you lunch? He's, he said, um, yeah, maybe. I said, okay, let me give you my number. He said, no, you take my number, and you text me. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I got, the, I got the guy's number, I text him, I'm, and so I'm hoping I can take him to lunch because obviously nobody has ever explained the true gospel to me. Why not? Now, do I got, I'm thinking, when have I got time to take some Jamba Juice, it's not Jamba Juice, but whatever it is, to lunch? <laughs> what is it called? Smetzels. Smetzels, yeah, Smetzels, but they got, they got good fries. That's why they can't charge a lot for smoothies because people think it's a pretzel shop. Um, so I want to hang out with this guy. I don't know when, but I want him to know Jesus. I mean, if did, has anybody had special Jamba Juice or whatever, a special smoothie before? If you have and you didn't talk to the guy that owns the place, why not? He needs Jesus. He needs Jesus. So. I'm going to spend time with them. But, guys, there are places that God has put you. I mean, I just thinking back about when I was, when I was your age. Well, I was actually younger than most of you. I was 19 years old, and I was living on Hollywood Boulevard, just about 100 feet off of Hollywood Boulevard, in a place that we called the Rat's Nest because it looked like a rat's nest. And I slept in the corner. I've told you guys this before. I slept in the corner behind a, a cardboard box. Inside of that cardboard box was everything that I owned. I, I had to pay $90 a month to live with those guys. And through, I slept behind the box. So that I won't have to see all the things that were going on in the one-room apartment that me and all these guys lived in. 
there were things going on in that apartment that you wouldn't want your mom to know that you were sleeping under. And through all that, the Holy Spirit of God guarded me and guided me, and I loved those guys. They thought I was weird with my Bible open every, every time that I got a chance. And I prayed with them. I prayed for them. I prayed with them for some of, some of them actually prayed to Jesus because of me. And in that horrific situation, all, that, all the drugs and, st- and sex and stuff that was happening in that one-room apartment, the Holy Spirit of God had put me there as a representative of him. And I'm so glad that I could re- that I recognized that. That's why God put me there. Where's God put you? Wherever those who had been scattered went, they proclaimed Jesus. You people of the cornerstone, please, please proclaim Jesus. The world is longing for truth. They don't admit it. They think they got it. But you do have it. And they need to know Jesus, and they're not going to know him unless you guys share Jesus with them. Amen. Okay, I think I'm getting, we're, we're, we're back in, in Acts 8. Okay, Acts 8, verse 5. So, as they're scattered, one of the leaders of the church, this is, a, this is one of the guys who was chosen, one of the seven guys that was chosen. Remember, there were seven guys chosen. Stephen was the main dude. He got killed, so Philip says, I better get out of here too. So Philip goes down to Samaria, the city of Samaria, and proclaimed the Christ there. Well, here we get one story, one of about 10,000 stories that we could have gotten. Philip goes down to Samaria, and he proclaims the truth of Jesus there. And through the rest of the book of Acts, we're going to see story after story, in town after town, of how the Holy Spirit used his people to proclaim Jesus. So verse 6, when the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Okay, here's, here's my question. See if you guys caught what I just read. Why did the people, the people of of the city in Samaria, why did those people pay close attention to what Philip said? Say it again. The great signs that he performed. And they heard him also. Yeah, two, two things. They heard what he said, and they saw the signs. Now, here's what I want to suggest to you guys, is I don't think they could have seen the signs unless he was proclaiming something. Sometimes we want to see signs. We want God to do miraculous things, and we, and we fail to open our mouths. Philip opens his mouth, and they heard and saw miraculous signs. They heard what he said and saw miraculous signs. Okay, what do you guys know about, about Samaria? This is Samaria, right? What do you guys know about Samaria? They were half-bloods, that's right. At least that's the way the Jewish people thought of them. Mm-hmm. They were half-bloods. They had, they, 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 from, the, from the Jewish perspective, they changed some of the, from the Old Testament law. They weren't very happy with those guys. In fact, they hated them. 
If they wanted to go from Jerusalem up north, they went way around. They didn't go through Samaritan territory. Remember that? But something happens here. The message of Jesus, as it always does, heals giant divides between people, breaks down walls. And these people who had been enemies before, something's about to happen between the Jews and the Samaritans that can only happen under the cross of Jesus. Unity can only happen under the cross of Christ, and unity will always happen under the cross of Christ. And if unity isn't happening, then you're not under the cross of Christ. Get this, guys. For, for, for the people in this room to have people that they refuse to talk to because of something they did, some way that they were treated a few years ago, proves that you're not walking under the cross of Christ. Do you guys hear me? Okay, so what's about to happen between the Jews in Jerusalem and the Samaritans in Samaria is that they're about to, they're about to be, become a part of one body because of the cross of Christ. And so we're going to read about one guy's experience in Samaria, a guy named Simon. And I want you guys to notice as we read about this guy, Simon, I want you to think about what the devil is trying to do here because what we've seen all through the first seven chapters of Acts is victory for Jesus and the devil attacks. The people pray and ministry happens and then the devil attacks all the more. You guys remember this. Okay, so we're going to see the devil attack right here in a little bit of a different way. So verse 9. Verse 9, now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man is the divine power known as the great power. They followed him because he had amazed them for such a long time with his magic. But when they believed, now the people of Samaria, look at what those people, when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, these the people who had been following this guy, Simon, the great power, they were baptized, both men and women. And Simon, we're not told a lot about what happens, but Simon's like, well, I guess I better believe and get baptized too. And from this, you really don't know what the motivation behind Simon's decision is, but look what happens. Simon believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. Okay, you guys get what, got, got what happened? There's this dude who, he's, he's got magic tricks. He's a powerful guy. He's been able to get the people to, to follow him, and now somebody shows up who's got cooler magic tricks than him. You guys know what that's like, remember? When you were a kid and you were the biggest kid on the block and you played basketball and all the, kid, all the little kids thought you were so great. And then some other bigger kid than you came along and it's like, oh, man. Okay, that's what's happening here. So listen, I want you, listen carefully. And this is what I want you guys to do. Here's your, here's your, your assignment right now. And I want to see if you guys can figure out the connection be, be, between what we just read about this dude named Simon and about what, and the, connect, the connection between that and what we're about to read, okay? So verse 14, see if you can find the connection. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to, to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Who prayed for who? I heard some mumbling. What was it? Okay. Yeah, the apostles prayed for the Samaritans. Apostles, two, names, two, two apostles, their names are? 
Peter and John, okay. Peter and John prayed for the Samaritans, and the Samaritans who have believed, they received the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them, they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Okay, so here, here is what I want to, there's lots that we could talk about here, but this is what I want you guys to get. What is the connection between this, all this, all these verses about Simon, like Simon, this, this guy who does all these magic stuff, sorcery, really, and then the people believe, Simon believes, or at least it seems like he believes, and is baptized, and then all of a sudden the apostles show up, and they put their hands on the, the, the people who have believed, and they receive Holy Spirit power. Okay? So what, just, I want you guys to think, what's the connection between that? I mean, it's, it's a little bit disjointed, especially because in the next couple verses, we go back to Simon, okay? So I just, I just want to see if you guys can figure this out. Verse 18, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he's like, Wow! Philip was good. These guys are better. And whatever they got, I think I want it. So he offers them money and says, look, I'll pay you to give me this ability so that everybody that I lay my hands on, they're going to receive the Holy Spirit too. Okay. You guys understand the connection? Okay, think about this. Almost everywhere else in the book of Acts, we read, we read the sequence. We read that people trust in Jesus they're baptized, and they receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Almost everywhere else. Okay? Here, people believe, lots of people believe, they're baptized, and they don't receive the, Holy, the power of the Holy Spirit until when? Until Pete and John come up, show up. So Peter and John come, and they, when they put their hands on them, they receive the Holy Spirit. So why? Why is there something different happening here than the, the pattern that we usually see? Maybe they didn't all fully believe, but what what do you think Simon has to do with this? There's a bunch about Simon, there's about apostles, and then, and then there's, it's back to the people getting receiving Holy Spirit power. Here's what I want you guys to think about. What would have happened if Holy Spirit power had been given to Simon? Apart from the, the, the church in Jerusalem, apart from the apostles, the leadership in Jerusalem. He would have started his own denomination. Like, I don't need those guys. I got Holy Spirit power for myself. Yeah, he's already leading. He could, have, he could have led these new believers astray. And God, the Holy Spirit God, wanted to make sure that whoever was filled with the Holy Spirit there in Samaria was filled with the Holy Spirit, Spirit as a matter of humility under authority. Do you guys understand this? Do you guys see what's going on here? I mean, it's, it's, this is important for us. Yeah, I mean, people, there are people all over the place like, I got the Holy Spirit. I don't need to listen to them. There's one Spirit, and we all submit to Him as we submit to each other. And we submit to leadership, too. Leadership is a real thing. Okay, so Peter, so Peter answers. Look at what happens when he's like, hey, how much for that power? Teach me to do that, and I'll pay you. Verse 20, Peter's, Peter answered, may your stinking money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no 
part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. You repent of, your, of this weakness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps, perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I could see, Peter's got the discernment to see that you, Simon, are full of bitterness and you are captive to sin. Okay, here's what I want you guys to see. It's possible to believe the gospel. It's possible to go through baptism. It's possible to follow a guy like Philip around, learning from him, and being astonished by all the cool things that he says and cool experiences of the Holy Spirit power that he does. And still not be repentant. Did Simon ever repent? We don't have any, any record of him repenting. So what was Simon's sin? It's pride. He, he, he wanted God to do for him what he wanted God to do. Without any thought of, me sur of surrendering to God. And I want, you, I want you guys to see what Peter accuses him. So look, guys, look at what Peter accuses him of in verse 20, verse 20 through 23. He accuses him. I mean, what, what is Peter irritated about? What's Peter upset about? He's upset because he's like, you can't buy. You can't buy God's power. You don't understand the gospel if you think that you can, you can just give a little, enough money to Grace Community Church, and now you got God's power. That's not the way it works, guys. Just be really nice to the pastor, and then you get some more power. It's not like that, right? You can't buy it. So he's upset that, that he thinks that, that, that Simon thinks he can buy it. He's, he's upset because in verse 21, he says that Simon's heart is not right. Simon's, Simon's believed, at least to some degree, he's been baptized, but his heart is not right. You know why? Because there was no repentance. And then Peter, look at what Peter says in verse 22. Repent of this weakness and pray to the Lord. Two things. You repent, you pray. Mr. Simon, you need to repent. Mr. Simon, you need to pray. And then verse 23, he says, your heart is full of bitterness. Your heart is captive to sin. In other words, his heart hasn't been changed. He's still the rotten guy that he used to be. Holy Spirit didn't change his heart. He never repented. Here's what's really sad about this, guys, is that all Simon's concerned about is self-protection. You guys see what he says in verse 24? Peter says, you need to repent, you need to pray. And what does Simon say? You pray for me. There's no record of him repenting. You pray for me so nothing bad will happen to me, Okay. His concern is, is about himself. Okay, I'm going to wrap this up. What's the point for all, all, all of us in this? You guys want to know what the point is? I think you already know what the point is. Okay, first thing. First thing, it is possible for people in this room to believe, quote-unquote believe, and not be repentant. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. And repentance, according to Jesus, is required for salvation. That doesn't mean that you earn your way to God. Don't confuse that with, with the legalistic idea that you can be good enough to reach God without Jesus. We, there's no way we can ever be good enough 
to be saved. Jesus paid for our salvation. But Jesus invites us to go with him. And that requires repentance. That means, that means if there's anybody in here that thinks they're good enough to reach God, you don't understand what Jesus did for you. That means that all of us at, at, at heart level need to say, God, I am not worthy. I have messed up my life. I have rebelled against you. I've spit in your face. I'm so sorry for the way that I am. That's repentance. So the first thing, you guys, I, I, th- I, I want to ask you guys to write this down. It's possible to believe and not be repentant. Second thing, it's possible to be interested. It's possible for people in this room to be interested in supernatural Holy Spirit power but not be in love with Jesus. You guys hear what I'm saying? I've been in lots of situations, lots of meetings where it seemed like the goal of the meeting was to experience some supernatural phenomenon rather than experience Jesus or rather than surrender to Jesus. The proof of Holy Spirit power in my life, in your life, is not s- stuff that we that most people out there would call supernatural. It's a supernatural work in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit is, you guys remember Galatians 5? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Kindness, did I miss kindness? You guys are excellent, thank you. You get an A+. Plus. Okay. Guys, th- think about that. You want to know if the Holy Spirit is at work in your life? You don't have to try to be loving. You don't have to be, try to be kind. You don't have to try to be joyful. You don't have to try to be all those things. Any more than, than a, a mango tree needs to try to, to produce mangoes. Mangoes, as you say. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. So It really is mango. Anybody who knows. Okay. Okay, whatever. <laughs> the fruit comes out of the tree without the tree trying. It just happens. The fruit will come out of your life if the Holy Spirit is in your life without you trying. What you need to try to do, what we need to try to do is be connected with the Holy Spirit day after day, minute after minute, hour after hour, and all those things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, all those things will come out of your life. It's the proof. That's the proof of the Holy Spirit working in your life. Okay. So, third thing I want to ask you is right now. First thing was, it's possible to believe and not be repentant. Second thing, it's possible to be interested in a supernatural Holy Spirit power, but not be in love with Jesus. And the third thing, and this is something that I want to, I want to invite us to ch- check our hearts in, is that Simon's sin was that he was addicted to impressing people. You guys, you guys hear what I'm saying? Why was it so important to him to be able to get that? He wanted that, that Holy Spirit power. Why? Because the more tricks he did, the more magic he did, the more he could get people to say, wow. You guys know that feeling, right? Of, I just want people to say I'm cool. And I'll do anything if I, if, if I can just get that. You guys know what I'm talking about. Guys, this was Simon's sin. He wanted to matter. He'd gotten so used to being a cool dude, a big shot, who led people that 
He wanted to take Holy Spirit of God and use that power for his own benefit so that people would like him. Guys, if there's anything that in my life is like Simon, I think that's what it is. I think that's what it is for all of us. Is the temptation to do whatever we do so that people will like us. Do I want do I want to preach the word of God because I care about your lives? Or do I just want to preach the word of God so that people will be like, oh, good job, Steve. You're a great pastor. I mean, what is it? And, I, and when, it, when it comes to that question, I come to the Lord and say, Lord, search my heart. Know my anxious thoughts. You know my heart better than I know my heart. And if there's anything offensive in my heart, anything in my life that is about me, would you just, would you show it to me? And I know people, I know sometimes there's been people who are great worship leaders who stop leading worship because they're so afraid that maybe some of the tension is on them. And I want to say that's good. But the better thing is, let's just confess it and just say, Lord, I'm prone to Simon's sin also. I'm prone, I'm likely to be like him where I want people to pat me on the back and people to say, wow, great sermon, Steve, or great worship leading. And we ask God, God, change my heart. That, guys, we're in the process of learning. We're in the process of becoming Christ-like. We're not there yet. That's why we need his help. That's why we ask him. That's why we confess our sins to one another so that we'll be healed. Because the Lord is doing something amazing in this community of people. And we, we had a st- as, I read, as I read through this uh, over, over the past few weeks, reading through this, this section about Simon's sin, I just thought, Lord, w- would you just stamp out every trace of look at me attitude from this community of people. You guys know what I'm talking about. We long for people to look at us and praise us and notice us because deep inside, we know we're not very praiseworthy. We know we're not very good. And, and when somebody tells us, you're great, we're like, well, at least I got them fooled. Maybe we don't say it, but that's the way we feel. So, so guys, let's just we're going to stand up and we're going to close. And I'm just I'm going to lead us in prayer. And if if that's if that's a sin that you that you realize, yeah, that's me. I'm so concerned about what people think of me that it's gotten in the way of my relationship with God. Then, as I pray, would you just confess that with me? Because we want to be free from all sin. First John one nine. Remember what the promise is: if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All of it. All of it. So, Lord, we're asking for the, the purifying work of the blood of Jesus in our lives. And I just confess, Lord, that, that I'm tempted to be concerned so much about what people think about me that There's times I've stolen your glory. And Lord, right now, with my friends here, all of us are just saying, Lord, we we want you to get all the glory. Doesn't matter if anybody notices me or not. I must become less. You must become greater. The name of Jesus above all names. And and we know that your name is the name that that has lasted for eternity. 100 years from now, Nobody's going to remember Steve's name, Steve Hedlund. But the way, but I, will re- I realize that the way that I live my life will affect how people live. 
for eternity. And so, Lord, we just, we, here we are, Lord, just giving ourselves to you once again. Just saying, God, would you help us to be those kind of people that, that are like Philip and the other, tr- the other people who are, who are scattered, that everywhere we go tonight, even as we got people from the Cornerstone going to IHOP or wherever they're going, and tomorrow going to classes and, and, and talking and, and meeting people who come to the Cornerstone for the first time, that all of us would be people who proclaim your word wherever we go, everywhere we go. And Lord, even just right now, as, as, as we're praying, Lord, the, the, the guy at the juice place, whatever it is, Smetzel's there, Lord, that, that, that you work in his heart, that you, that you just help him to, to think about the things that we talked about and bring him to you, Lord. We're asking for that. Guys, would you, would you just be praying for that right now as I'm asking for that, Lord? And then and all the other people that have come in contact with, with you today because of the love of the people at the Cornerstone, all the Japanese students who are on the plane right now heading back to Japan, that they'd be thinking and thinking about you and that you'd open their hearts and that, that, that you'd use what happened this week to build your church in Japan. You, you put us in Hita because you got a plan for Hita, Lord. And would your kingdom rise, the sun of righteousness rise over the field of Hita. God, help us. Help them. And we're just praying your blessing on these people tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.